championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live live show slash podcast. Welcome in, everybody. We're now mid-July. We are two weeks away from the NBA draft. Can't wait. Things are about to pick up. I've been talking about this with my LakersNation.com colleagues. Usually what happens with the NBA news cycle is things slow down during the finals because the NBA, they, they don't like things getting out during the finals. Nothing that's going to take away from the finals. But as soon as the finals end, boom, we're going to get hit by a tidal wave of all kinds of free agency news, draft news, trade news. Remember, if you've been watching the NBA Front Office YouTube channel, which Keith Smith and I host, and I highly recommend you go check out. We covered the entire NBA, but we've been talking about how this is going to be the offseason of the trade. That's what we're going to see here this summer. Summer of the trade in the NBA because so many teams are capped out but want to make changes. So I think we're going to see a lot of trades. We're going to see a lot of sign-in trades, particularly because there's not that many players out there on the free agent market that, number one, are impact players, and number two, are guys that you can go and actually get because so many teams are dealing with cap space issues. So, Again, I think we're going to see a lot of trades. It's going to be a very busy offseason. Let's talk about it. I'm here for you, taking your questions and comments. So if you're joining us live from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, obviously this is a solo show, just me tonight, but it's never really just me. It's me and all of you. So let's go. Let's talk a little Lakers basketball and dive in everything. First and foremost, somebody said, how are you, Trevor? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited. I, it dawned on me about midway through the day that we are two weeks away from the NBA draft, and that got me going. That got me really fired up because draft day is one of my favorite days of the year. I can't wait to see what the Lakers do with that number 22 pick. Oof, it's going to be exciting. And I got to admit, I'm also excited for personal reasons. It's my daughter's birthday coming up this weekend, so we're really excited. going to have a five-year-old, which is crazy. And uh, have family coming into town for that and everything, which is which is always great. She's going to be going off to kindergarten soon, so can't wait to get to celebrate that with her. So I'm excited. I'm in a great mood. I can't wait for what we've got coming in these next few days and then in the next few weeks as well. But give me your questions and comments. We'll talk a little Lakers basketball. First thing I want to throw out there, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I saw something earlier today. KCP, it looks like he's going to be selling his home. And for a lot of us in the NBA world, you see a player putting their home up for sale and you start to wonder, oh, does that mean they're leaving? No, unfortunately with KCP, uh, we know what happened, uh, what was it, about a month ago where he was robbed. And so now it looks like he'll probably be moving someplace a little bit more safe, uh, hopefully more safe anyway. Uh, Obviously, that was a very unfortunate situation. But that leads me to a bigger point, though. This is the time of year when, like, real estate transactions pop up in the NBA world, right? We hear, oh, such and such player is buying a house in LA. And that's usually what it is, right? Ben Simmons buying a house in LA. And we all get into a frenzy and we say, there it is. That's proof. He's coming to LA. No, look, a lot of NBA players live in Los Angeles during the off season. Why? Because they've got plenty of money to spend and they get to pick where they want to live. And so for a lot of people, if you've got plenty of money and you can pick anywhere where you want to live, you're going to live in LA, right? And you're going to live in California. It's a nice place to live. The, the weather's great. So that's what happens, right? We tend to, I think we overrate how big of a factor the real estate market actually is in this. 
if it was Ben Simmons is buying a place in Indiana, in Pawnee, okay, a little bit different. But buying a place in Los Angeles, not that big of a deal. Contavious Caldwell-Pope looks like he's going to be on the move. Hopefully, he and his family can find some place. That's obviously a terrible thing that happened to him and his friends. All right, let's get into some of your questions and comments here. I'm seeing a lot of them coming in already. People talking about maybe Carmelo Anthony. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's do Carmelo Anthony. So Carmelo Anthony, uh, is he a fit with the Lakers? I've been saying for years, no. And I literally mean years. I mean, I can remember when we first started this show, every single night we were getting multiple questions. Should the Lakers get Carmelo Anthony? Can they figure out a way to get I don't even remember what team he was with at the time. I think it was right after he left the Houston Rockets. A lot of people saying they should bring him in. Uh, Skill set-wise, fit-wise, for years I've been saying no. I think we're at a point where the answer is now a yes if, right? If he's a veteran minimum guy, and that's what he is now. If he's just accepted that that's my role, and you're going to use him as a power forward, particularly as a backup power forward, okay, you can talk me into it. Um, I think we've seen some scenarios where the Lakers could have used a bit more of a scoring punch, and I think he can provide that defensively. There's certainly some issues, but I'll tell you what. If the Lakers do wind up moving Kyle Kuzma in a trade, I think it becomes that much more necessary that you find another wing player, and I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony can do the same things that Kyle Kuzma can do, particularly with defending threes. I don't think you're going to ask him to do that as much at this point, but if you're going to move a guy like a Kyle Kuzma or, or say, Markeith Morris walks away, there's a role here for him where it might make some sense to bring in Carmelo Anthony. And again, veteran player, been in the NBA for a long, long time. He's not not a long-term piece by any means, but still could be a nice fit for somebody that just needs to come in and put the ball in the basket because I feel like the Lakers were certainly lacking that this year. As somebody said, still better, better than Duds. Look, Jared Dudley, what he brings to the team is not what he does on the floor. That's not what it's about. That's not what he's about. Not anymore. Not not at this point. He's a very smart player. You can put him out there. He's going to make the right rotations, occasionally knocking a three. Yes, Carmelo Anthony can provide more than Jared Dudley on the floor. But when has that ever not been true? Right? I mean, that's that's always been the case when you're comparing those two guys. For Jared Dudley, it's about what he means for the locker room, what he means for chemistry, for cohesiveness. That's the value that he brings. And look, credit to him for understanding that, recognizing that. Very few people in the NBA would do that, would be able to see, hey, my job is not so much to play basketball out on the floor, but it's to be a glue guy in the locker room. That's not easy. Most of the guys that are in the NBA have grown up being the man on whatever team they're on. It's a tough transition to suddenly say, okay, I'm going to be a role player in this league. But Jared Dudley has excelled at it, been a star in his role. Uh, Why isn't Dudley a coach? Maybe at some point he will be. There is some benefit And a lot of people say that, like, why burn a roster spot on Jared Dudley when you can just make him a coach? It's a little bit different when the message, whatever that message is, is coming from a guy who's out there doing the drills with everybody in practice, who is on the floor with you, battling alongside you. It's a little different when that's the source of the message compared to somebody who's on the coaching staff. There's going to be a bit of a separation between the coaches and the players. That said, Jared Dudley has talked for a while about wanting to be a coach at some point, perhaps wanting to be in a front office at some point. He sees a future in basketball, and I think he's got one. At some point, that transition is going to come. Maybe it's this year. We don't know. Maybe it's this year that Jared Dudley moves into, say, the front office or to the bench. 
that could be a thing. But for right now, it sounds like he'd like to continue playing, if possible. Okay, let's get into this. Oh, I'm seeing some people with some not kind words about Kyle Kuzma. I get it. I, I get it. A lot of people have been frustrated. People have been frustrated with Kyle Kuzma for years. For years, people have been saying to trade him. I, I'm standing by this. I've said this from the beginning. I think this offseason is more likely than at ever point, than at any point ever before, that Kyle Kuzma gets traded. I just think that if you look logistically at his salary, they're going to need it in any kind of big move that they're going to try to make. So I think it is more likely that Kyle Kuzma gets traded this offseason than ever before, and that's not factoring in all the other little things that we've kind of heard. Kuzma talking about working on his ball handling, wanting a bigger role in the offense. I don't know if the Lakers can offer those things. Magic Johnson mentioning that Kyle Kuzma kind of understands that he's being traded. I'm paraphrasing there. That's not exactly what he said, but that was the gist of it. Uh, Kuzma removing Lakers from his Instagram bio. Kind of feels like there's a separation that's coming. We'll see, though. Article came out the other day uh, mentioning that Dennis Schroeder, in a sign-and-trade scenario, has more value around the NBA than Kyle Kuzma, but the Lakers are indeed gauging the market to see what they could get for Kuzma. That's a little bit surprising to me because Dennis Schroeder is probably going to cost you a lot. He wants 100 to $120 million. That's the rumor. Yeah, that, that's a lot to pay. In my mind, that's an overpay for Dennis Schroeder. It would surprise me if that's the price tag, if Schroeder has more value on the trade market at that number than Kyle Kuzma locked up for the next three seasons at $13 million per. He has a player option, I believe, in the final season. But still, that would surprise me if Schroeder has more trade value. Now, maybe, again, that's a rumor, the 100 to $120 million. Maybe he's come off of that, and perhaps that could up his trade value a bit in a sign-and-trade situation. Uh, all right. Salary cap wise, uh, Bales from YouTube said, is it possible to trade Luol Deng's contract? No, unfortunately it is not. That is about $5 million dead cap sitting on the books. There's nothing you can do. There's no way to get rid of it. It's done. You can't trade it. It just is sitting there eating up $5 million worth of cap space. But the plus side, this is it. This is the last season. One more season of Lou Aldang sitting there on the Lakers cap. Remember, they waved and stretched him. That's why he's still on the books right now. But it is still sitting there. This is the final season of having to deal with that. Clarence Tolliver from YouTube. What do you think Reggie Jackson will cost us? We'll see the, the free agent point guard market is going to be really interesting. If the landing spots dry up, like let's say the Knicks execute a trade for Colin Sexton. That's one of the big landing spots for free agent point guards right now there are more free agent point guards than there are landing spots for them. Okay, So at some point, teams are going to run out of money. Teams are not going to have starting spots to offer anymore. And there's going to be starting caliber players left over. And that's where you want to see the Lakers pounce. If Reggie Jackson is one of those guys, I would imagine he probably goes back to the Clippers. But maybe the Lakers could get in there. I'm looking at him probably as like a $15 million guy per season. How many years? I don't know. But, um, man, he was good. He was really good. Over 40% from three during the regular season. Continued that. Actually got even better during the playoffs. Looked like the best point guard in the playoffs for certain stretches. He was great. You know, all credit in the world to him. He was fantastic. Uh, Davis Painter from YouTube with a super chat. Appreciate it. Uh, said, in your opinion, who's worth getting hard cap for? 
Also, how do people forget LeBron was an MVP candidate for the whole month? Benjamin also with a super chat. Thank you. Said, what about Fultz? I'll have to look up Markel Fultz's contract status. He's with the Orlando Magic, but I, I, I honestly, I have not dug into Markel Fultz in quite a bit. Uh, but to ask your question as far as, or to answer your question on who's worth getting hard cap for, it's a good question because the Lakers are in a situation where if they use their mid-level exception, boom, hard cap. If they use, they can't use the biannual exception. They used that last year on Wesley Matthews. If they accept a player and sign and trade, hard cap. So you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, let's say you did a sign and trade with Lonzo Ball. Is it worth bringing in Lonzo knowing that you're going to get hard capped? And that might mean some difficult decisions later on down your roster. Here's the scenario. Let's say the Lakers are sitting at, I don't know, let's say it's $110 million And you bring in Lonzo Ball. Okay, and again, this depends on like what Montrezl Harrell does, Caruso does. This is this is a very fluid thing. But let's just say they're sitting at 110 million, and you bring in Lonzo Ball, and you do a sign and trade for him, and uh, let's say you trade away, I don't know. Let, let's say that you just trade away Schroeder straight up for Lonzo, and you do it for 20 million dollars. Um, again, I don't think the Pelicans are doing that, but maybe you rope in a third team or something happens. You bring in Lonzo for 20 million. So now. Your 110 million is 130, and you're hard capped, and the hard cap's going to hit sit at 143. Now you're hard capped. You're sitting at 130 million, and you've got to re-sign Caruso and Tht and Markeith Morris and, and on and on on Andre Drummond. What happens there? You have to fill out the rest of your roster. Can you do that if you're sitting at 130 million and you're hard capped at 143? I mean, you can't pass that for anything. That's where things get really, really difficult. And that's where you have to make some tough decisions. That's where maybe Caruso doesn't come back. Now, again, change the scenario up a little bit. You let Schroeder walk for nothing. You trade Kuzma and something for Lonzo. And then you're actually sending out some salary at the same time as you're bringing salary in. It becomes a bit more workable. So just saying you're getting hard capped isn't, there's different ways that you can handle getting hard capped, Right. If it's a sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder going out and you're hanging on to Kuzma and you're hanging on to these other guys that could go out in a trade, then suddenly you're being put in a tough spot in regards to Caruso, in regards to Taylor Horton Tucker, veteran minimum guys, things like that. Okay. So again, a lot of moving parts here for the Lakers. They have a lot of players that are free agents, but in a nutshell, here's what I'm looking for. If I'm going to trigger a hard cap for the Lakers, I want two things. I want a guy who's a difference maker. That's, I think that's pretty clear, number one. And number two, I want somebody who could be in it for the long haul. And I think the Lakers accomplished that with getting Dennis Schroeder last year. It didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But they found a player who, if it all clicks, is a difference maker on the floor and is also a guy who fits Anthony Davis's timeline, 27, 28 years old. So that's what you're looking for. If you're going to trigger a hard cap, you're going to take that risk you do it for a guy who you think might be there for the long haul. Colin Sexton would not trigger a hard cap, but that type of player, right? A younger player who's somebody that you think can grow with the team moving forward. Those are the two requirements I would have to trigger a hard cap and take that risk. And even then, it would have to be somebody that you really like because it really is going to be cumbersome for the Lakers this year, given how many guys they have to re-sign, how much of their roster they have to fill out. Triggering the hard cap will make it very difficult to do all of that. So something to keep in mind. All right. 
Let's dive into some more questions and comments coming from you. Dwayne Porter, trade Kyle Kuzma for Otto Porter Jr. Dwayne, you don't need to. Appreciate the super chat, but you don't need to. Otto Porter Jr. is a free agent. Yeah, you don't need to trade for him. Um, and I don't think you're going to sign and trade for him. You're not going to trigger a hard cap for Otto Porter Jr. No, you'd offer him, you could offer him part of your mid-level exception. If you offer him less than the taxpayer mid-level, which is about $5.8 million, uh, you could avoid triggering a hard cap. That's fine. But you're betting on him being healthy. If everything works out perfectly, is he worth it? Yes. But you can get him without giving up any assets. So... Maybe there's a team out there with cap room that offers $8 million a season or $7 million a season or something like that. And if that happens, so be it. I don't think he's the kind of guy that you bend over backwards to get. But if you can get him, sure. It's worth the risk if you can get him for the right price. And if the price is too high, okay, you let him go. The risk level is pretty high there. It's not, it's not the home run kind of move. Kyle Roberts from YouTube. Do you think Vogel didn't play Harold much so his value would drop so we can have him back for cheap this year? No, I don't think so. I don't think that was a factor at all. I don't think, first of all, I don't think Frank Vogel would do that. Like, if you're Frank Vogel, what matters more? Being able to hang on to Trez or winning an NBA championship? It's winning an NBA championship, right? By by far. If Trez is the guy that you think is going to help you win, he's going to play. If you don't think he's going to help you win, he's not going to play. I don't care what his contract status is. It doesn't matter, right? Hanging hanging on to Trez long-term is not worth sacrificing winning playoff games if you believe he's the guy that's going to help. I think Frank Vogel legitimately didn't think that Montrezl Harrell was a good fit in that matchup with the Suns, and we saw some matchups earlier in the, or later in the regular season where he also just wasn't a great matchup. I think Trez is better than perhaps we're giving him credit for though remember 20 and 8 in the month of march really helped the lakers stay afloat i think he's a very talented player i think it's unfortunate that now two years in a row things have not looked good come playoff time which is where we place inflated value on the playoffs we tend to just look at what happened in the playoffs and forget what happened during the rest of the season what we do the nba history is littered with players who got massive deals because they suddenly played well in the playoffs and then reverted back to their normal, like, regular selves. I go all the way back to, like, Jerome James with Sonics way back in the day. So I don't think in Montrezl Harrell's case, the Lakers would have benched him if they felt like he could help them win, right? If you can win playoff games, you're going to play. And again, it's unfortunate that Trez now has two playoff series in a row, first with the Clippers, now with the Lakers, where his value has taken a real hit. We were talking back in March about how unfortunate it was that the Lakers would not be able to pay Trez enough to keep him. That the $11 million that the Lakers can offer, if Trez, if Trez opts out, the most the Lakers can offer him using uh, his non-bird rights would be about $11 million. That would be the starting salary. That's the most. That's the most they can offer. And back in March, we were saying, man, you know, we love Trez. It's so, it's so unfortunate that they can't offer more than that. I don't know if anybody's going to offer him that this offseason. Now, things changed very, very quickly. And again, it's unfortunate for Trez. And you have to imagine he feels some kind of way about the way things finished in the season. And some of you out there may disagree with that as well. You may think Frank Vogel should have played him more. And I think there's an argument to be made there. But because of all that, I would be surprised if Trez comes back to the Lakers. I think if he does opt in to the $9.7 million left on his contract, uh, for next season, I think it's because a trade has been set up. 
And we'll see. We'll see. That's the other thing too. I've got so many people messaging me right now saying, hey, you know, let's Kuzma and Trez for Buddy Heald. Hey, I'm, I'm on board. I'm with you guys. If that deal is out there, take it. I would take that for sure. But here's the thing. Montrez Harrell has to want to go to the Sacramento Kings or whatever other trade, whatever, whatever other team you're cooking up here. Trez has a say in this because he can become a free agent. And where it gets really tricky, he doesn't have to tell the Lakers whether he's going to become a free agent or not until July 31st. The NBA draft is on the 29th. Most likely, if you're going to make a trade, it's probably going to occur before the draft. So if you're using that 22nd pick in a trade, the team knows that you can use it, that the trade can be executed with Trez in it. They know that the trade's going to go down so they can tell you who to take. It's complicated very quickly. But again, I don't think, bottom line, I don't think that Frank Vogel tried to tank the value of Trez just so the Lakers could keep him long-term. I don't think he's with the Lakers next season. And I think the way this season ended will be a factor in that decision. Again, that's just my gut. I say it all the time. Never say never in the NBA. Weird things happen. Every time we look at a player and we say, that guy's never going to be traded. His contract is terrible. He winds up getting traded, right? Crazy things happen. Never say never. But I would be surprised if Trez is a Laker next season, just not for the reason why we thought at the beginning of the season, we thought the Lakers would not be able to uh, pay him. Jalen Jackson from YouTube, the Super Chat. DeRozan, sign and trade makes too much sense. Look, I agree. It does make a lot of sense. DeRozan, an L.A. guy, a veteran, guy who wants to win right now. The challenge is the three-point shot. If DeRozan shot, if he shot 33, 34% from three, sign me up. Let's do it. Let's go. Get DeMar DeRozan. But he doesn't. He shoots 25% from three. Teams will ignore him behind the arc like he's Ben Simmons. That's what's going to happen if you sign DeMar DeRozan. And it's going to be frustrating. I promise you. You sign DeMar DeRozan, Lakers fans, there is a point. Maybe it's a month into the season. Maybe it's three months. Maybe it's in the playoffs. where We're going to be complaining that DeMar DeRozan offers no spacing on the offensive end of the floor. It is what it is. However, he's also masterful in the pick and roll. He's a veteran. He can handle the basketball whenever LeBron James is off the floor. He's a really good player. Extremely efficient. 50% from the field last year for a guy who shoots a lot of jumpers. He's that good at hitting mid-range jumpers. So I don't think he'd be a terrible signing, but I also don't think it's a smash except depending on what the number is. Like, let's say his number is $25 and you have to part with Kyle Kuzma and KCP in order to get him. I'm not doing that. And I like DeMar DeRozan a lot. I think there's a point where it's too much. If you can, if he says, hey, I'll come on the, on the mid-level exception, okay, maybe he's a guy worth dealing with a hard cap for. Extremely talented player again. But if it's sign and trade and you're losing two of your big trade assets to get him and you got to pay him $25 million and you're triggering a hard cap, that's where you start to say, well, maybe that's a little bit too much, particularly given the fact that he can't shoot the three and your floor spacing is gone when he's on the floor. At least if he's on the floor with LeBron, unless maybe we're starting to hear Anthony Davis might be playing the five a bit more. Maybe that's the solution. I like DeRozan a lot. I'm just saying there's some complications there. It's not a home run type move. There's some things you'd have to work around to make it happen.
Benjamin from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, I still believe LeBron at point guard is the best fit on the team with three and D wings. Not him to power forward. Is it to preserve his career? And Zach Briggs said, Lakers should trade for Steve Adams and go for Zach Levine when he's a free agent. Okay, so let's start with the LeBron thing at point guard. Um, yeah, look, I, I do think we're going to see a lot of that. Whether you want to call LeBron a power forward or not, it doesn't matter. LeBron's LeBron. He's going to do LeBron things, no matter what. Whether you want to call him a power forward, a point guard, a center, it does not matter. He's going to do LeBron things. Really what we're talking about is LeBron surrounded by more shooting. That's what you're going to get by playing Anthony Davis at the five. You're also going to get more defensive versatility. That's the goal. It's not so much, hey, LeBron, you're the power forward. You're never bringing the ball up anymore. We're putting the ball in somebody else's hands. No, the ball is going to be in LeBron's hands. That's the way it's going to be. We're talking more about LeBron with a more versatile, smaller lineup, albeit. I mean, that's what you're sacrificing, right? Maybe a little bit on the boards. But remember, LeBron is 6'8", 6'9", incredibly strong. It's not like it's a super small lineup or anything like that, but LeBron at the four and AD at the five is a pretty versatile lineup. So that's what they're going for. It's not so much about, hey, let's get LeBron to the four and take the ball out of his hands. It's still going to be surround LeBron with shooters. It's just playing a little bit smaller. Steven Adams, I don't think you absorb that contract. It's just, again, roster building. I've talked about this a lot. Roster building theory right now in the NBA the big question is, do you want to spend on the center position? And I lean, unless it is a superstar center, I lean towards no. I don't think you spend that kind of money. You allocate those kind of resources to the center position. So Steven Adams, I like him a lot. But if you get him, you're also realizing that in your best moments of the playoffs, he's probably on the bench. The Lakers are in a tough spot cap-wise. Do you want to allocate some of your very, very rare resources to the center spot? And my answer is probably no. I don't think so. Not when Anthony Davis at the five is probably going to be your best lineup. You don't want to spend a bunch on a guy who, when you're at your best, he's on the bench. That's not what you want to do. And so for me, I'm more on board with just finding a role player center. And I've talked about this before. I think that Andre Drummond coming back could be a thing. And it worries me a little bit that the Lakers might overpay him. I don't know what's going to be out there in terms of the wings. Realistically, what's going to be on the market for the Lakers to get on the free agent uh, market. But I am not on board with spending too much at the center position. Even if it means a guy like Steven Adams, who I do like quite a bit. That's where I'm at. All right. Let's continue here. (laughs) Benjamin from YouTube. Aiden still sweats like Patrick Ewing, by the way. No arguing there, right? That that does happen. ZSPN from YouTube. Hey, Trevor, is it worth it for the Lakers to make a trade this offseason so they don't hit the hard cap? Um, the, Making a trade or not making a trade doesn't dictate whether or not the hard cap comes in. Well, all right. So if you're asking, is it worth it for the Lakers to make a trade where you just straight up clear salary? Maybe, but again, it depends on who you're doing that for. If it's, hey, we're going to execute a sign-and-trade that brings us Kyle Lowry, but in order to make sure that we don't hit the hard cap, we're going to send Kyle Kuzma into New York's cap space. Okay, like you can talk me into that. There's some scenarios where you would do it. The question is, is the player you're bringing in worth it, right? If it is, I don't know, if it's DeRozan, Right, you can you can argue either way there. 
Uh, if it is Mike Conley, right? That's probably where you'd say, yes, that's worth it. We're going to trigger the hard cap, but we really want to bring back Caruso. We really want to bring back THT. That means we need to clear a little more space. Somebody come take Kyle Kuzma from us or somebody come take KCP. There's some guys out there where it would be worth it. If it's Lou Williams, probably not worth it. Not worth triggering that hard cap in a sign and trade scenario to get like Lou Williams. And again, this is nothing against Lou Williams. I'm just using him as an example of kind of more of a mid-range player where it wouldn't be worth it to do that. So it really depends on who you're getting in terms of whether or not you're willing to pay the price of triggering that hard cap. You know what I'm saying? Thomas Shepard from YouTube, the Super Chat. Bring back Avery Bradley. See what you can get for Kuz, KCP, and the 22nd, or Schroeder sign and trade. Lakers want to avoid a hard cap at all costs. Yeah, look, Avery Bradley dealt with a lot of injuries last season. Maybe you take a flyer on him, but again, I don't know. I don't know. Look, the Lakers just dealt with a ton of injuries in one season, and Avery Bradley showed last season that he couldn't stay healthy. I don't know if he's a guy I would gamble on. Veteran minimum? Sure, sign me up. Yeah, veteran minimum, let's do it. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the qualifier, right, for just about anybody. If it's a veteran minimum and you're not triggering a hard cap, bring it on. Let's go. Take the risk because it's not that much of a risk. Worst case, if you don't trigger a hard cap and it's a veteran minimum guy, you cut him and you sign somebody else for the veteran minimum. If you don't have a hard cap, it doesn't matter that much as long as you're willing to pay the tax, right? So, uh, Avery Bradley, sure, if it's for a veteran minimum deal, but I don't know that you go spend above that in order to get him. Uh, KCP and the 22nd pick or a Schroeder sign and trade, uh, seeing what you can get for those guys. Sure, I mean, those are really the main trade assets the Lakers have. Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 22nd pick in the first round, and a Dennis Schroeder sign and trade. Those are your main assets out there in the trade market. That is what Rob Palenka is working with. We'll see which of those assets he winds up trading and what he can get for them. I'm very torn on the draft pick, by the way. I see a lot of Lakers fans who just throw the draft pick in as like a sweetener in a trade. I don't want to undervalue it. I want to be careful there. There's a lot of good players. Like if you walk away with Trey Murphy, if you walk away with Sharif Cooper, if you walk away with a player like that, um, Chris Duarte, right? There's a number of guys who are out there that are very talented and some guys who can step in right away and help out. And you have to remember, if you get a player that young, you could have them for the next decade if everything works out. Now, again, that's unlikely. That's not how things usually go, but it's possible. So you got to be careful if you're moving that number 22 pick. Because you have to remember, the Lakers are going to sacrifice a few picks here to the New Orleans Pelicans in the next few seasons. So their opportunity to add in young talent is somewhat limited. So it's something to keep in mind. I'm not saying don't move the pick. I'm just saying it's got to be the right deal because I do like some of the talent that's there. The Lakers have a history of identifying the right talent, particularly late in the draft, and selecting that player. They've done a very nice job of doing that. And so I don't think it's something that you want to overlook. Don't consider it just as, oh, it's a late first. It's never going to hit. The Lakers actually actually have a very high hit rate with this 20s, with picks in the 20s and beyond. So I, I would be careful with that pick. If I'm going to move it, it's got to be for maybe home run is overselling it a little bit, but a clear win. A clear piece that can help you win a championship. Like you land somebody and you say, yes, we are now 
the favorite to come out of the West. That's the kind of deal I'm looking for to move the 22nd pick. All right. Uh, John Blue from YouTube, the Super Chat. LA more likely to draft trade for Bronny or lose Braun if they want to play together. Don't want LeBron going to OKC just because they own every pick. You know, that's still a little ways down the road. LeBron's already said he wants to retire a Laker. I'm not worried about that just yet. We have no idea where Bronny would be drafted or anything like that. What moves the Lakers could make to get a pick to get him if they have to. We're a long way away from crossing that bridge. I'm not going to worry about that just yet. Uh, Axe from YouTube said, what's the best option for the Lakers in your opinion? Like who should the Lakers get and trade? I've been pretty consistent on this. I really think in terms of reality, and that means I'm not going to throw out there. Oh, just go get Damian Lillard. It's not happening. Just go get Bradley Beal. It's not happening. I think the the best guy that's available, Buddy Heald. I keep going back to Buddy Heald. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to target him. Now, you could you could tell me like, hey, Lonzo sign and trade. Maybe that might work, right? Or a sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. That might work. Buddy Heald you can get and not trigger a hard cap though, right? So that's somebody that I'd be interested in. I think he's still atop my list. Now, if you were to say the Pacers are willing to part with Malcolm Brogdon for what the Lakers have to offer, I would put him ahead of Buddy Heald. But again, I don't think that's realistic. Buddy Heald is the guy where, to me, what the Lakers need and what is realistically possible intersect. So that's my main realistic target. Okay, But there's a lot of guys I would put above Buddy Heald if they suddenly became a realistic option. I'm just trying to stay a little bit grounded. And again, otherwise I would say, oh, well, let's just trade, you know, KCP, Kuzma, and Trez for Damian Lillard. That's my ideal trade. Well, of course it is. That would be anybody's ideal trade, but it's not happening. So Buddy Heald is where I keep landing with that question. Uh, AJ Kura said, Trevor from YouTube, do you think we can get a higher pick in trades, like a Kobe-like move? So can we move up in the draft? Uh, It would depend on how much a team values either KCP or Kyle Kuzma. Those are your two guys that are under contract that realistically have some value. So is there a team out there that values them enough in order to give up a higher pick for them? I would say probably not. Probably unlikely. But look, if it's 22 and Kuzma to go get, I don't know, like 15 or something, maybe. There might be a team out there that would do that. It's possible. But who are the Lakers targeting? I think in this draft, when you look at the draft tiers, the Lakers can probably get somebody at 22 that's similar to somebody you might find at like 15, 14, something like that. I think there's that kind of a range in that tier. So I don't know if it's worth it for the Lakers to move up in the draft. I think realistically, if we're going to see the Lakers move some of their assets, it's not going to be to move up in the draft. It's going to be to either move out of the draft, move back in the draft, and pick up multiple picks in order to fill up the roster with some more young talent on cheap cost control deals. Or it's going to be to find that big piece that they're looking for. And we've heard the Lakers are out there looking for a playmaker, which is interesting. And I think it's something that we have to consider. The Lakers, we all said, everybody has said, coming out of the playoffs, they need shooting. And who wouldn't say that coming out of the playoffs? Kyle Kuzma, we're crying out loud, shot 17% in the playoffs. KCP, your best shooter, shot 21% in the playoffs. Every single Laker, not named Marcus Gasol and LeBron James, shot worse from three in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. No one stepped up unless unless your name was Marcus Gasol, really. LeBron shot 1% better. Okay. Marcus Gasol stepped up. No one else did. 
No one on the whole roster. So clearly the Lakers need shooting. But the rumor is that the Lakers are also looking for playmaking so that they can continue to build things out and take a little bit of the burden off LeBron. I think what's really interesting is when you say the word playmaker, do you think of Dennis Schroeder? I don't. I definitely don't. So maybe a little bit more smoke, a little bit more fuel to the fire that Dennis Schroeder might be done with the Lakers if a playmaker is what they're looking for. Now, again, I don't want to say that's a definite. That is complete speculation on my part. I think you could also make the argument that he is more of a playmaker or that he can be, okay? The Lakers were to bring him back. I think they could make that argument. But he's certainly not the first guy that's out there on the market that I think of when I hear the word playmaker. He's more of a score first guard. Uh, Let's see here. Leon Moss from YouTube. I think it's in the Lakers' best interest to watch and see who teams are looking to move on from. There's many pieces that are going to be moving this summer. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think there are going to be some guys out there. And particularly, this is what I am, let's say laser focused on, but I'm paying a lot of attention to the point guard market. Particularly, there's rumors out there that the Knicks are targeting a trade for Colin Sexton. If that happens, it's going to be chaos on the point guard market in free agency because most of the point guards on the market are pointing to the Knicks as a potential landing spot because they have a ton of cap space. If the Knicks burn their opening at the point guard position on Colin Sexton, a guy who's not on the free agent market, that leaves a lot of names out there. Yes, including Dennis Schroeder. But look at this. You've got Chris Paul, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Spencer Dinwiddie, Derek Rose, uh, there, there's more. The list goes on and on. Devontae Graham, Lou Williams. There, there's a lot of guys out there on the point guard market. TJ McConnell. Um, there's even more. If I pull up the list, I could give you more. Bottom line, there are more free agent point guards that deserve minutes on teams than there are teams that can give them minutes. So if the landing spots for them dwindle by one more team, particularly if it's the Knicks, because again, that's the team everybody's looking at is the team that could pay them. It's going to be a bit chaotic. And I think we're going to see some of these guys have to take like one plus one deals where they're hoping to get back on the market next off season. And some guys are going to sign for cheap because the landing spots are going to dry up. And that's where if I'm the Lakers, I pounce. I wait to see what happens when the dust settles, who's still standing, who has not been paid yet. And I say, Hey, Come play with LeBron and AD for a season or two. Rehab your value. Come do it over here with us. That's what happens, by the way. When things like this happen, where a player, the money they want is suddenly not out there, and a lot of teams can offer about the same amount of money, if the money's all even, that's where suddenly they say, oh, I'll go play for the Lakers for the season. If I have to go to either the Lakers for the same amount of money that I could go to the Magic, I'm going to the Lakers. I'm going to go play with LeBron and AD. It's only if the Lakers offer is, you know, veteran minimum and the Magic are offering you $15 million a season, then you're going to go to Orlando, right? But if the money is the same, the Lakers are going to get some talent. Ring chasers, if you want to call them that. I think that's the most fascinating part of this season's or this offseason's market to keep an eye on. It's the point guard market. And what happens there when the landing spots dry up? Where do these guys go? Something to keep an eye on. Uh, Mom, the mentality from YouTube, the super chat. Thank you. 
Would this be a successful offseason for the Lakers if this was their plan? Draft a 3 and D player. So let's say Trey Murphy. He's one of my favorite 3 and D players in their price range. Okay, draft Trey Murphy. Cool. On board. Sign and trade for a point guard or use the mid-level and sign another center at the veteran minimum. For me, it checks all boxes. Yeah, that would probably, and this is in the works. I might put this together tomorrow. My ideal offseason. Um, that's a video that I'll put out here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. But I agree, Mamba mentality. If you were to get a 3 and D player, like a Trey, it doesn't have to be Trey Murphy. That's just the first name that pops into my head when I think 3 and D player in the draft. Sure, Trey Murphy would be a great fit or another 3 and D player. If there's somebody else that you prefer, slot that name in there. But a 3 and D player in the draft, trade for a point guard, or maybe you execute a double sign and trade with Schroeder. But again, you're triggering a hard cap. But let's say you can find a point guard uh, via trade or using part of that mid-level exception, and then your center comes to the veteran minimum. Yes, I agree. I think there's enough centers on the market who can chew up 15 to 20 minutes a night. They're they're not the kind of guys that you're going to get. When the Lakers landed Pau Gasol, I did laps around my house yelling in celebration. Whoever the Lakers get on the free agent center market, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to have that reaction. It's going to be somebody who can just come in and eat up some minutes and give you adequate play. And that's fine. I think that's fine for the center position right now in the NBA, especially when you've got Anthony Davis on your roster. So Mamba mentality, I do think that is a pretty good start to an offseason for the Lakers. I like the way you're allocating your resources and where you'd be spending money. I'm down with that. A lot of people saying, Lonzo, guys, I cannot begin to tell you how many people I've had messaging me either in support of or against signing Lonzo Ball. And it seems like everybody is in one camp or another. They're so polarized about Lonzo. Uh, People either hate the idea. My wife, by the way, does not like the idea of Lonzo Ball. I was editing a piece this morning in which I mentioned him potentially coming back to the Lakers. And she asked me, she said, what? Why would we bring back Lonzo? I don't want to do that. Look, people either love Lonzo and love the idea or they hate him. I fall more on the side of I would like to see it happen. Okay, but I understand a lot of people are still feel a little bit burned by Lonzo and they don't want to see him come back. But it is interesting. I've got a lot of people here saying they'd like to see him come back. Um. Armand from YouTube said, THT is our future all-star point guard. We don't need Lonzo. Uh, I, I disagree. And I'm not, and that's not me saying that THT is not a future all-star. I think that is his ceiling. I think he can be. Like if THT, and we've seen him already working on his jumper, if he gets up to say 35%, like 36% league average from three, that, that's a big jump. Don't get me wrong. I know that sounds simple. Oh, if he just shoots league average from three, everything's good. Um, he shot 28% from three last season. And in the season before, it was like 30%. And that's, again, tiny sample size there because he barely played. But last season, 28% from three. So we're talking about a major leap here for him to get up to league average from deep. If he does, though, yes, I can see a trajectory where he could become an all-star and he's already working on his jumper. I hope he gets there. But I think to assume that he's going to do that is asking a lot, right? Like if you were looking at Taylor Horton Tucker and you're saying, we don't need a starting point guard. We've got THT. He's 20 He's 20. I don't know if you can rely on him on a championship contending team 
to get in there and play mistake-free basketball or at least play well enough to where you're not going to get burned come playoff time. I think he does get there eventually. I'm very high on THT. I just think that's a little bit too much too fast for him to thrust that upon him. So THT is not holding me back from going and getting Lonzo or any other point guard. He's not. And I believe in his future, and I think the Lakers believe in his future. But I think to ask him to do that, to be the guy right now, it's too soon. It's just too soon. Next offseason, maybe. We'll see what he does next season. I'm assuming he stays with the Lakers. We'll see what he does next season. And then probably we can have that conversation. But right now, I think it's too early to put that on him. Brandon Lopez from YouTube, the Super Chat. Again, thank you. Is there a way to trade for Lonzo and Buddy? Like Kuzma, KCP, and a pick for Buddy, then Dennis, Dennis sign and trade for Lonzo. Uh, yeah, Brandon, that's exactly how you would do it. It would be Kuzma, KCP, or Buddy Heald and something else. The deal I like is Buddy Heald and our old friend Damian Jones. He'll go Chuck Norris style, kill two birds with one stone. Two stones with one bird if you want to flip it and do, and do the Chuck Norris joke. Um, yeah, look, that's the way you would have to be. You're triggering a hard cap to do that, right? But let's say it's KCP and Kuzma for Damian Jones and Buddy Heald. Okay, right? You do that. And then next you do a sign and trade Dennis Schroeder for Lonzo. The problem is, number one, I don't see, maybe the Kings do that. I don't see the Pelicans doing that for Schroeder. They've got enough guards. They've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You've got Eric Bledsoe. You've got, uh, you've got some other young guards that are coming in as well. I don't think they do it. The other thing is that we have to remember the Pelicans have the Lakers pick in 2022 and the Pelicans have either the 2024 or the 2025 pick and they have a pick swap in 2023. The last thing they want to do is make the Lakers better. So that's going to be a factor for them when they are weighing trade offers for Lonzo Ball. If the Lakers are putting in a trade offer and they feel like it's going to make the Lakers better, they're going to be extra hesitant to do it because they don't want the Lakers to be good. They want the Lakers to be as bad as possible so they can get a better draft pick. So I think that's where it becomes a little less realistic for me, doing that Schroeder for Lonzo sign and trade, because number one, you can argue you're making the Lakers better by sending them Lonzo. And number two, I don't think they need Schroeder. You'd have to rope a third team into it. All right, we're going to do a few more. Somebody asked from Facebook, uh, Ansari Oma from Facebook, is it possible to get JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard back with Gasol? Uh, yes, it is possible. I think both of those guys are probably veteran minimum players this offseason, so it is very possible to get them back. With Gasol, that's where I, I would say no. I don't think the Lakers are going to carry as many centers. I think having three centers on the roster to finish the season with Trez, Gasol, and Drummond was a mistake, and I don't think they do that again. I think at most, at most, they carry two traditional centers and Gasol are, um, I would still count Gasol, even though he can shoot the three. I would count JaVale and Dwight Howard as that. Maybe you only carry one. If you're really going to go through this plan to use Anthony Davis more at the five, you could argue that, Hey, we're going to spend more of our, our roster spots on guards and wings and not on the center position. So three centers coming back next year, I think is unlikely. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe Gasol and like Dwight, Maybe you could probably talk me into that. It could be that it's just one player. It could be that it's just like, maybe just Dwight, like if Gasol retires, just Dwight, bring him in AD off you go. I think that's possible.
RK from YouTube, thoughts on Trey Mann as a potential pro- prospect for us? You know, I like what I've seen, but I'll admit I have not gone into a deep dive on Trey Mann just yet. So I want to hesitate to to weigh in too heavily on one side or, or another on that. Um, I think he's definitely a name that should be in the mix, but I can't say he's a guy that I'm totally sold on. But again, I've not done a super deep dive on him just yet. That's coming the way I have on some other players in the draft. So I don't want to speak positively or negatively about him at this point when I don't feel like I have a super educated opinion specifically on him right now. He's one of the guys that's on my list to get a little further into with my analysis. So again, just want to be honest there. I can't give you an exact answer on him until I do a little bit more of a deep dive. Leroy Long, Trevor, give us your best case scenario for the summer. That's going to be a YouTube video. I'm going to put that out um, probably tomorrow. That's been in the works. I've been kind of thinking some things through and figuring that out. So I'm going to put that together and uh, I'll probably put something like that out tomorrow unless some like crazy news breaks tomorrow or something like that. Uh, Bales from YouTube. Do the Pels have anything against the Lakers front office after the Anthony Davis trade? I, I can't say 100% for sure, but I have to imagine there's probably a little bit of animosity there after the way things went. And again, the fact that they've got the Lakers picks, they are not going to be trying to do the Lakers any favors. ZSPN from YouTube. Uh, hey, Trevor, how, who do you think is the Lakers' best center option this offseason? Like, if money's no object, I would love Rashawn Holmes. I think he would be fantastic for the Lakers. I love his mobility at the center position. I love how violent he is with, with throwing down lobs. I think he'd be tremendous. Uh, but in terms of reality, who would I like to see? Like a Cody Zeller, I think. If it, and I'm talking like veteran minimum guys. Somebody that you can say, hey, 15, 20 minutes a night. Cody Zeller, I think, would be a nice fit. Dwight Howard could work out. Daniel Tice, I think he's going to get more, but if he didn't, I, I'd be on board with him. I think he'd be a good one as well. All right, one more, and then we'll call it an evening here. Okay, well, here's actually, this won't be the last one, but uh, Savesh Adut from uh, Facebook said, how was there a trade a month ago? Al Horford trade. Yeah, so Al Horford uh, got traded in the Kemba Walker deal, went back to the Celtics from OKC. Kemba Walker, and I believe it was the 16th pick, went from Boston to the Thunder. How did that happen? How is that legal? Well, actually, as soon as the team's eliminated from the playoffs, they can make trades. They can do that. The reason why you don't see it happen, well, there's a few reasons why you don't see it happen more often. Um, Things happen to just kind of line up for the Celtics and the Thunder, and I think it kind of cast... I don't know, the spotlight on everybody else. Like I had a lot of people mentioning like, why haven't the Lakers done anything yet? The Celtics already made a trade. Why haven't the Lakers made a trade? What the Celtics and Thunder did, that's the outlier. That's not the norm. What everyone else is doing right now is the norm. Teams tend to lie low during the playoffs for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're trying to find out first, where, where do things wind up in the lottery? How does that play out? And then from there, they're doing their draft research. They're still figuring out, what do we have? Before they can feel comfortable talking about moving picks, they have to feel pretty comfortable about who's there. So there's a lot of trade talks. Like right now, trade talks are going on, right, between teams. A lot of feeling out, trying to figure out what teams want, all of that. Also, the NBA, they tend to frown upon major moves happening during the playoffs, specifically during the NBA Finals. 
they don't want things to detract from the finals. So let's say the Lakers made a huge move. Okay. I'm I'm not saying this is happening. I'm saying just a hypothetical. Let's say the Lakers found some crazy way to trade for Damian Lillard. And that happened right now. Okay. Let's say it happened tomorrow. Let's say it happened before game five of the NBA finals. The, the way the NBA news cycle is that trade would overshadow the NBA finals. And that is not what the NBA wants. So they try to keep things a little bit quiet and they just, it's not like it's a rule, but teams are just kind of discouraged from making big moves like that right now. So you've got a few things at stake there. Teams, number one, typically don't make moves during this time. They're using this time right now to have talks, to feel things out, to figure out who they like in the draft, go from there, right? And then kind of start to really get serious as we get closer and closer to the NBA draft. Again, what the Celtics and Thunder did, that's not normal. Okay, the Lakers can legally make a trade right now. 28 teams in the NBA can make trades right now. But uh, it it tends to not happen. It's usually right before the draft or during the draft that you see this stuff take place. Okay, all right. Final super super chat here. Oh, no. Oh, no, James Bell. (laughs) Maybe I'll have to do another one. Is LiAngelo Ball a good option for more shooting if you pick up Lonzo Ball? I think the ship has sailed on LiAngelo Ball in the NBA. Look, never say never. I, I've said that a bunch this offseason. I don't want to completely write him off. I feel like he's had his opportunities to prove himself as an NBA caliber player. If he was, he would have done it by now. Sometimes guys do come into the league late. Duncan Robinson, for example, a guy who came into the league a little bit later. Sometimes that happens. Spencer Dinwiddie, another example. And guys can find success this way. So again, never say never. But if I'm the Lakers, I don't sign Lonzo and then immediately run out and grab LiAngelo just because you signed Lonzo. That's not something that would be high on my priority list. All right. We'll do one more here. Uh, Ricky Garcia from YouTube. Is it possible for another team like the Knicks to sign Lonzo and trade him for us for Schroeder? Uh, no. So let me explain how that would work. So the question from Ricky Garcia is, could the Knicks sign Lonzo and then immediately turn around and trade him for Dennis Schroeder? So the answer to that is no. And the reason why is this. The NBA has a rule that once you sign a player, that player needs to be on your roster for three months or till December 15th, whichever is later. So let's say the signing takes place. I don't know. Let's say it's August 5th. August 5th, the, the Knicks sign Lonzo Ball. Okay, They would not, if you count out three months, September, October, November, right? November 5th? Well, December 15th is later than that. So they can't trade him until December 15th. That's the rule in the NBA. What they don't want is a team signing a player specifically for the purpose of just trading him, right? They don't want that. So instead, they say you have to hold on to that player. That player is not eligible to be traded until, again, either three months have passed or you've hit December 15th, whichever is later. So if a player signs with a team right before the season starts, let's say they signed, I don't know, October 15th, they are not eligible to be traded until January 15th. So after the December 15th date. But most players in the NBA, most players, after they sign a new contract, are trade eligible as of December 15th because typically we see those trades or those players signed in July 
Uh, most of the time this year, it'll be it'll be in August. So December 15th is typically that date when you see guys become trade eligible. Now, if the Knicks wanted to get in on a trade that would result in Lonzo Ball coming to the Lakers, you could do that, but you have to execute those at the same time. It wouldn't be Lonzo going to the Knicks, staying on that team, and then being sent over. It would have to be a trade executed as a three-team deal. Okay? So I hope that makes sense. Uh, if the Knicks or another team were to sign Lonzo and eventually trade him to the Lakers, it would have to take place after that December 15th date. Could not happen immediately. All right, guys. Appreciate all your questions and comments. Man, we went for an hour and it didn't even feel like it. Look at that. Talking Lakers basketball is so much fun, even in the offseason. Appreciate you guys joining me. As always, we'll be back next Monday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. We'll talk more, and and uh, I think we're going to have some more rumors to discuss by then because this is the time of year when things really do pick up. But make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. I'm going to do my best to keep you guys informed on everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers all throughout what's going to be a very, very busy summer. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.